Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this will be on cinematic rendering in the heart. And this was a talk I gave at the NASCI meeting. So it's a very focused talk, um, and I hope you enjoy it. So we've spoken a number of times now about cinematic rendering, and we're doing a refresher course at RSNA. And I've been asked in many places to speak about specific applications. So this one is really hard in aorta. We talk about the role of post-processing in looking at complex structures, and the heart is a good example of where it should work well. We've spoken how we've gone from uh, MIP, which we still use, to volume rendering, which we still use, to a upgraded form of volume rendering, this uh, uh, interactive direct volume rendering with physically-based lighting, or cinematic rendering, and the fact that it has multiple light sources and so can really do a very good job of showing subtleties and perhaps giving more three-dimensional feel because of the lighting models. And we know from the early Pixar days, lighting is critical. And if you can control the lighting and do lighting better, you can create prettier images, but probably more accurate images. Uh, cinematic rendering, this is a good article by Pam Johnson, talks about uh, global illumination model, which is cinematic rendering. Um, it's a Monte Carlo integration technique. It does a uh, path tracing of thousands of rays traced to compute the resulting image. This light model for cinematic rendering is based on um, the fact that with classic volume rendering, we use a local lighting model and only local properties such as gradient influence the image with cinematic. It's a global illumination model which accounts for the impact that all the rays have on image reproduction. One of the reasons that the classic uh, you know, rendering was not changed to cinematic, perhaps in part, was with computers. The computer speed and chips just weren't able to do it. And in fact, the article by Crowe's was done because he wanted to see if the new NVIDIA chips would make things better. Regardless of the type of 3D imaging, volume, or cinematic, you always need to be careful about the accuracy of the data. We still always look at the original data sets. There is some issues if you change the lighting model. Can you obscure or confuse things? I mean, anything is theoretically possible. I can make an image that's very pretty, or I can make an image that really hides things. And there's no way to know that you have the perfect image. But we understand that because when you look at an abdominal CT, for example, you need liver windows. If you look at the lung, or the chest rather, you need soft tissue windows and lung windows. Just simply having the wrong window width, window level, is going to obscure or hide the presence of pathology. Now, this is not an image of the heart or aorta. But I just wanted to show this to talk about the fact that we look at textures. And I gave a talk last week on CTSS talking about 3D imaging of the abdomen. This is one of the slides I showed, but it does make the point that the lighting model can be used to accentuate vessels, texture in the gland, the spleen, liver, etc. Now, in terms of some of the applications, and I did put down references to a few articles. There's an article by Steve Rowe talking about cardiac CT volume rendering. Uh, cinematic rendering may prove to be of value in providing important information when evaluating complex anatomy, such as the heart. And the fact is, a key point, which is true with all of rendering, from MIP even is probably the least, because it's easy to get good MIP images. But with cinematic, it's very important to get the right parameters. We have spent almost two years getting the right parameters. If you look at some of the recent articles published that were not from here, the articles are less than optimal because the images are less than optimal. 
And they were published because of the word cinematic, but the images were really poor. So just because you use cinematic does not mean you're going to do a good job. You can have really crappy cinematic images. So it's very important to be able to uh, really get good presets. As I said, I've spent two years developing presets. With the shadowing effects that arise from global lighting model, uh, again, this idea about good versus bad. We can show things well or we can hide things, no problem. So a few good examples showing you the power of lighting. Here I'm just simply trying to focus on the left atrial appendage. You can see the coronary arteries, the left ventricle, the ascending aorta and pulmonary arteries. And here I'm targeting down a little bit more. You can see the nice fold pattern of the atrial appendage. You can see the coronaries nicely, the left ventricle and the arch. And when you look at a specific example, this was the um, image of the year on uh, in many last year, the idea about shadowing. And so I'll go from the skin and the patient's cardiac leads to showing only the bone and a little bit of the heart to showing only the great vessels off the arch and the patient's AV fistula. You see the cobweb of vessels sitting on the pulmonary artery arising from the coronary arteries, nicely shown in a range of views. You can see, look at the aorta and the branch vessels off the arch, how sharp and shiny it looks. Again, it's almost too nice, but you get a feel of how I can adjust the parameters. You see the difference between the density of the pulmonary artery and the aorta. You see the uh, coronary vessels very nicely shown there and here as well. So the ability to visualize even small vessels, many of those little vessels off the, AV, off the coronary artery fistula are just a few millimeters in size, yet look how nicely you can see them. You can also tell that the coronary artery fistula arises of both the right and left coronary arteries. In this case, the patient has a right coronary artery aneurysm. It's atherosclerotic in nature. It's not Kawasaki's. It's not uh, anything else. It's not polyarthritis nodosa. I'm cutting through the heart. I'm rotating now. Look down the AV groove. You can see the uh, right atrium. You can see the coronary arteries sitting there. And then I'll change the parameters again, nicely showing you the aortic valve, showing you the patient's right coronary artery aneurysm through a range of views and perspectives. And of course, you can do this with uh, motion to really get a good feel. And here I'm simply rotating the data set. This is a relatively high opacification. I'm showing you the patient's right coronary artery, very nicely seen. Then I flip to the undersurface of the heart, the AV groove, and I simply change the parameters to give you a really good look of that filling in of the AV groove on the undersurface of the heart, making this a right dominant circulation, but showing you the ability to vary the parameters and get a really good look at the various structures. Here we're looking at the pulmonary artery, so you really have a lot of power. On this next image, very much the same thing, same data set, but again, showing you how we might decide to look at the data differently. You can look at the uh, full you know, 512 by 512 in real time, which is shown here. That's really impressive because not only are you showing the information, but you're able to change the information of the large data set in real time. And so the NVIDIA chips really push things along, and we use a 1080 chip. Um, article on Kawasaki's disease. Remember, Kawasaki's multiple coronary artery aneurysms. Sometimes hard to appreciate in 2D and surely 3D as we look for multiple aneurysms. It's ideal. So let me show you a nice example of multiple coronary artery aneurysms, right and left coronary arteries, axial. Upper row shows the typical uh, volume rendering with or without color. 
And then the bottom two rows show you the coronary artery aneurysms, the RCA aneurysm in the first row, and then also showing you the large aneurysm of the left coronary artery. And again, multiple projections, multiple visualizations to optimize the study. Or in this second example of Kawasaki's disease, I'm showing you very nicely the uh, aneurysm coming off the junction of where the left anterior descending and circumflex branch. And again, this rotation provides a lot of information. I think clinicians particularly like the ability to rotate images, cut through images, and choose the plane of interest. And here is just one more example showing you again the power of the interactivity. You see the right coronary rising off the right cusp, and you can see the patient has two coronary arteries. So um, coming off that aneurysm, again, very, very nicely seen. We also have looked at the aorta. This was looking at the uh, potential problem of a ductus diverticulum versus focal dissection. And here's a good example. We have a sternal fracture, subtle mediastinal hematoma, but particularly well seen on the two cinematic images, bottom right. You see the communication between the aorta and pulmonary artery, classic ductus diverticulum. Again, you want to be very careful in making that diagnosis. The patient commonly when they do have the sections post-trauma will occur in the ductus zone but you want to but you don't want to overcall that you want to be very careful and the cinematic rendering can help you do that also in things like mycotic aneurysms presence of aneurysm extent of aneurysms important for planning so in this case aneurysm anteriorly projected off the patient's descending thoracic aorta just beneath the endovascular stents shown nicely in the sagittal views and then the relationship to the stent and the extent very nicely shown on the 3D imaging. Or in this patient with an elephant trunk repair, you can very nicely see the elephant trunk. You can see the repair and um, you can follow this patient very nicely. And we do. But again, here's some of the visualizations. So the more complicated the surgery, the better a cinematic rendering works. And here's another example. This was a coarctation. Left subclavian artery, there's the coarctation just past it, very classic. Interestingly, it was an adult. We typically think about diagnosing coarcs in children or young adolescents, but often things are just not diagnosed. Look how nicely you see that stenosis, left subclavian artery just past it. You can see the number of views, you see the collaterals nearby. You can see here again, I'm showing you very nicely a relatively opaque rendering coronary arteries, pulmonary arteries, coarctation just past left subclavian. As is classic, the left subclavian is mildly dilated. And here's just another set of views showing you that, and again, focusing on the collaterals. Look at the internal mammary arteries in the chest wall, very, very large. And here's the internal mammary arteries, both in right and left side. And, um, you know, this is good collateral pathways, internal mammaries in patients with coarctation. And here's one more set of images. So you can see in the abdomen, the collaterals, and the abdominal wall, kind of the inferior epigastrics. Beautiful visualization of the vessels, the cartilage, the ribs. All of that can be seen in its entirety. When you gate the images, you get a good look at the uh, aortic valve. And here's that unusual four-leafed aortic valve, the quadricuspid aortic valve. Beautiful example as shown in radiology. Now, I've only been able to show you a little bit of what we do because I only had a 15-minute talk, and uh, that's what I'm 
working on, and I will show you more in the future, are things that I think will happen in cinematic rendering. You need to implement the algorithm to be faster, particularly interactive on a GPU. Optimization of lighting models may be possible without AI to select best parameters. That indeed should work. And the integration of AI into the radiology workflow will indeed be important if it's very complicated to use uh, AI and if AI can only with complex nature give me very good images, I'm probably not going to use it. But since many people don't do 3D imaging, can't figure out what the presets are, can't figure out how to do things, AI could potentially solve that problem and introduce 3D into the workplace and workflow. So that's an interesting thought, but we'll have to see what happens. So I guess my time is up. I've showed you a bunch of cases, made a few good points, I hope, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you very much.